0: Brand recognition seems like a pretty big deal these days, like defining the Republican brand, the Democrat brand. It's like staking a claim. It appears to be the same for Unitarian Universalism. Who are we? Where is the unity in our theological diversity? We pitch an enormous theological tent since pluralism and diversity are our hallmarks, after all. We seek to identify and name the UU brand. We seek a core, a center, a way we know and explain who and what we are religiously. We are a different kind of religion and defy bumper-sticker simplicity. There's an exercise William Sinkford, who's the president of UUA, has encouraged us to do, which is to work on our elevator speech. Now, he explains this as how you answer the question, what's a Unitarian Universalist on an elevator from the sixth floor to the lobby? So, in honing my speech, uh, my sermon, Uh, I have worked on my elevator speech. So here's my fantasy of the elevator ride and speech. Several of us get on the elevator, and after we go through the prerequisite, who's going to what floor, and yes, indeed, the weather is hot enough for all of us, and how about the Tigers, the next logical question is, what is Unitarian Universalism? Now, they probably didn't realize it was their lucky day since I prepared this text and was just waiting to be asked. We UUs take pride in tracing our history to roots as diverse as Transylvania and the Transcendentalists. We go back to the very early church, uh, but they see more of us in the 1500s in Europe as well as we trace our roots to the pilgrims who rejected the hierarchical church authority, believing in each congregation's right to self-governance by vote of its members, which is called congregational polity. This is the type of governance UU churches still practice. As the pilgrims stood for religious tolerance, allowing for differences of belief and practice, so do we as UU's. We identify with the abolitionists, with the suffragettes, with the freedom riders. We come from a dissenting tradition, being somewhat mavericks, something many of us acknowledge proudly, and yet this can be part of our difficulty in identity. We can probably say who we're not more easily than we can say who we are. Okay, in my fancy, by this time, I need to reverse the direction. So we've hit the lobby, and I'm going to push the button up because I'm just getting warmed up. <laughs> uh, others on the elevator say, so, are you all a big denomination? Like, do you have millions or what? Do you have big churches? Are you on TV? Again, they're a lucky day since I had just uh, read the new survey issued by Pew Forum on Religion and Public Life. It estimates that 0.3 percent, or three in a thousand, identify selves as Unitarians, or more correctly, as Unitarians in other liberal faiths. Projecting this sample out would indicate there are 675,000 adults who would identify selves as Unitarians, although the UUA uh, says our number is about 160,000 in just over a 1,000 congregations across the country. So we're not a large number, and increasing our numbers is a goal, yet not just by grabbing people off the street or trying to spin or contort ourselves, trying to appear a certain way to win converts. Uh, There's a tradition in AA that says that uh, it's a program of attraction, not promotion, And I would say that that's true for the Unitarian Church also, is that we are based on attraction, not promotion. If people come and like what they see and find it resonates with them, that's good. Welcoming, discussing, questioning, tolerating different views. We espouse a liberal religion that honors freedom, personal responsibility, the capability to choose. Okay, now in my fantasy, the elevator is stopped, but people are coming in to listen. It's like Forrest Gump on the bench waiting for the bus. So that was what I was thinking. So the next question, so are y'all Christian? Our faith does have Christian roots. Many would call themselves, many in our congregations would call themselves Christians. Yet the emphasis is not It is certainly on Jesus, but it's not on the virgin birth or uh, the crucifixion or the resurrection, but rather on how he lived, the power of his love, the elegance of his teachings, his fierce defense of the least among us. In fact, we use as a source and have given in the past uh, the Jefferson Bible to our um, youth, which is... Uh, the teachings of Jesus that Thomas Jefferson extracted from the Bible and made and put them uh, put it together. Uh, the next question: What is the second U of the UU, which is Universalism? In 1961, the Unitarians and the Universalists joined forces. In a very simplistic way, Unitarians brought reason. Universalists brought tolerance. The adage goes that Universalists believe that God is too good to damn them, whereas the Unitarians believe they are too good to be damned. (laughs) So Unitarians, the name means that we were opposed to Trinitarians, that we affirm God's oneness. Universalism affirms salvation for all. what would i see if i came to all souls the first thing as, as i answer these elevator people uh, the first thing you'd see is the window symbolically and literally through which light shines in also allows us to see out through it we witness the change of seasons the eternal cycle it reminds us of the interdependent web Our religion speaks to diversity, freedom of thought, and tolerance. The window is a reminder that each of us has a lens through which we see the world, and no one of us is fully able to perceive the truth that shines through another person's window. It also symbolizes that to Unitarianism, religious experience is direct and personal. It symbolizes our wish for transparency and expanding vision. Another thing you would see, and it's on the front of your uh, order of service, is the flaming chalice. This is the symbol of our faith. It was designed in 1939 for the Unitarian Service Committee, which was founded to help assist people who were fleeing from the Nazis. The chalice is a cruciform, yet it is within a circle to show that Christian heritage is but one part of a more universal whole. Its light evokes the eternal flame of the ancient temple in Jerusalem, as well as the light of reason. We light the chalice each week It's one of our rituals to begin worship an act of reverence and connection to each other and with our past. Another thing you'd see when you came into our church is a number on the pulpit. This you won't see in every church. This number represents the number of individuals who have been killed so far in the Iraqi war. This isn't about being pro-war or anti-war. It's not about being liberal or conservative. It's one way that we remember to bear witness, to not lose sight of the price some have paid. I would say that I looked at this number each week for a long time, very detached, and would see it going up each, each week. And it struck me one day that each of these numbers meant a grieving mother, father, wife, or husband, child, or best friend. So the number now, you know, numbers are kind of funny. I think it's at a little bit over 4,100. Because it only offers a limited glimpse of what's going on. To some, this wouldn't represent many deaths not like World War One to the Vietnam War. To some it is a it is way too many deaths. To some in here it may have no real connection. Kind of like, well everybody's going to end up dying anyway. It's another indication of our diversity and freedom of thought as Unitarians is that I would believe that everybody in here, each person in here has a narrative that goes with this number. Our fate, or what we are left to do, of course, is to live with ambivalence. Archibald McLeish wrote a very moving piece, is number 583 in your hymnal, in the back of the hymnal, and I'm not going to, to uh, recite the whole thing, but I just wanted to give a piece of it. The young dead soldiers do not speak. They say, whether our lives and our deaths were for peace and a new hope or for nothing, we cannot say. It is you who must say this. They say, we leave you our deaths. Give them meaning. And so we try in our humble, limited way to make meaning out of death and out of life so we're still on the elevator and the people are are listening rapidly i would hope and i go and say that we have no creed our affirmation starts with love we said earlier earlier this uh, this day we strive to be tolerant and to remember that being intolerant of intolerance is fundamentally wrong we believe having our beliefs doesn't mean expressing contempt for those beliefs of others. Bad manners are always bad manners. Our religion understands we cannot afford the zealotry of religious certainty. Rather, we promote a free and responsible search for truth and meaning. Certainty is the enemy of truth. Those who offer easy answers... Just don't understand the questions. The next question was, well, what would I bring to a service? Do I bring a Bible? To which I would answer, our living tradition draws from a number of sources, from direct experience of the descending of the transcending mystery and wonder. We draw from words and deeds of prophetic women and men who challenge us to confront powers and structures and structures of evil with justice, compassion, and the transforming power of love. We draw from the wisdom of the world's religions. We draw from Jewish and Christian teachings, which call us to respond to God's love by loving our neighbors as ourselves humanist teachings which counsel us to heed the guidance of reason and the results of science and warn us against idolatries of the mind and spirit. We draw from the spiritual teachings of earth-centered traditions which celebrate the sacred circle of life and instruct us to live in harmony with the rhythms of nature. We draw from all of these sources. So, someone then asks the next logical, obvious question, which is, Claudia, how does Unitarian Universalism interface with baseball? (laughs) Well, I'll tell you a story. It happened this spring in a college softball playoff game. Uh, A young woman named Sarah Toloski playing for Oregon University, hit a home run. There were two runners on base. Uh, She cleared the fence. This is the first time in her high school and college career that she had ever hit a home run. Sarah rounded first base uh, and inadvertently missed the bag, so turned to go back. And as she did, she injured her knee with an ACL injury. She crawled to first base but could do no more. The first base coach said she would be called out if any of her teammates helped. The umpire said a pinch runner could be called in, yet the home run would count only as a single. The players on the other team, Washington University, asked the umpire if, in fact, they could help Sarah around the bases. The umpire said there was no rule against it. So two members of the Washington team, got on either side of Sierra, put her arms over their shoulders and their arms under her legs, and carried her to each base, allowing her good leg, which was her left leg, down to touch the back. <clears throat> so her home run counted. The Washington team was eliminated from the playoffs, yet it is hard to consider them as having lost this game. There are moments of grace in baseball. I think this reflects the UU principle of the inherent worth and dignity of every person and of justice, equity, and compassion in human relations. It's about ethics. It's about the wisdom traditions that call for us to love our neighbors as ourselves. It's about fair play and doing the right thing. Maybe after it is about how we play the game, after all. So we touch them all. And then the question, where do pets fit in Unitarian Universalism? Now, I knew this question was coming because it usually follows the baseball question. Well, we do have a service in which the animals are blessed called Blessing of the Animals, and it will be in about a month. But we have two dogs. A skipper key in an Australian shepherd. I walk each one almost daily. Now I need to modify this a bit. I walk one, uh, Tabitha, the skipper key, and I am walked or rather yanked and pulled by the Auss- Aussie test. People on their, in their yards driving by, et cetera, will call out, oh, who's walking whom? And I laugh, say, that's funny. I never heard that one before. But I do say that I'm training for the Iditarod. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm trying to make a point here that Tabitha is a small dog. She's about 20 pounds. She doesn't have marasmus. She isn't suffering with a failure to thrive. She's not a big dog in need of growth hormone. She's a healthy, spunky, small dog with a big spirit. Tess, the Australian Shepherd, is a big dog. Also healthy and strong. Like our church, we may be smallish in size, our numbers may not increase exponentially or dramatically, yet we thrive, we can be healthy and viable. We would like to grow, yet there's so much more than numbers. Each in our congregation has a chance, a choice to grow in spirit, to grow in spiritual maturity to become better individuals. So finally, in the elevator, I'm asked, well, when you said, you, you, an acquired taste and the metric of intangibles, what were you talking about? I said, Unitarian Universalism is a different kind of religion. It's not everybody's cup of tea. It's filled with ambiguity and diversity partly because it continues to evolve, it's ongoing, and partly because we encourage individuals making choices, asking questions. Authority is grounded in contemporary experience, not ancient revelation. Our heritage reminds us we are a faith of deeds, not creeds. Living in the Bible Belt as we do, a sanctuary of liberal religion is not easy. Also, not identifying as Christian can rub some people the wrong way. Welcoming as we are to so lesbians, gays, earth-based, causes some people to look at us with askance. We struggle to claim or reclaim a language of reverence that is neither trivialized nor made up of cheap platitudes. When you welcome diversity, meeting the needs and expectations can be difficult, Christians, theists, deists, humanists, pagans, Buddhists, amongst others. Pitching a wide enough theological tent that doesn't cave in is our ongoing endeavor. Not everyone wants what we have. Yet often people come and say something like, I didn't know I was a Un- I've was been a Unitarian all my life. The part about the metric of intangibles... There seems to always be a push to quantify, to have more numbers, larger congregations, more pledges, more programs, larger buildings, more staff, somehow that larger size equals success, larger numbers, uh, afford more validity or credibility. But I begin to question how to measure what. What's really worth measuring? Religion isn't engineering. Spiritual growth isn't algebra. What's the proper unit of measure for courage it takes for our church to welcome gays, lesbians, transgendered? To be in the forefront of civil rights, women's rights, the disenfranchised? What's the yardstick for integrity? Spiritual integrity obliges each of us to value the primacy of personal experience and to be honest with ourselves. These are integral to our faith. What's the proper balance for freedom to choose and responsibility for those choices? Tolerance and openness aren't cheap virtues. Dealing with contradictions, conflicts, ambivalence, and ambiguity are hallmarks of our faith that defy quantifying. What about justice? Is there a metric for our response to the genus six? Thinking about the trip to Gina, where it'll be hot, there won't be many conveniences, there could be trouble. Many use response, I'm in. I'm on the bus. Is there an ultrasound, a PET scan that will locate and identify the soul or the spirit? How do you measure scrappiness? Uh, At the end of last year, there was a. uh, We were asking to have part of our loan forgiven. I don't want to bring up bad memories here, but anyway, uh, and uh, to the UUA, and the UUA wrote back and said, "Well, instead of forgiving the loan, what they thought is that one of our options might be to sell our church." Well, we're not going to do that, but I I will say that uh, Lori Lyons said that. We would continue to have a church if she had to pitch a tent in her backyard. So we can be scrappy. How do you gauge or measure excitement? The young man who came a few weeks ago so excited uh, upon hearing things, reading the literature, uh, and he just, he said how he had heard before some things about the church that were less than positive. But he was obviously a glow with what he had heard here. He said, Who'd have thought I'd hear a sermon on Play Doh and that it would be meaningful? I thought to myself, since it was Affirmation Sunday, all this and a beach ball, too. How do you measure imagination? It allows us to transcend our personal experience. Who would have imagined that we could still be alive, thriving today, a church? of liberal religion in Shreveport louisiana we just didn't know that we couldn't finally compassion love it matters it's also elusive to measure yet it's real it enlarges it enlarges and it deepens it battles fear and connects us the re- the root word of religion religiar is means to connect or to bind back love is the doctrine of this church we do not have to think alike to love alike Unitarian Universalism is not a religion of packaged truth it says it says the questions are important the questions we ask determine the quality of our journey if you're looking for accept for easy acceptance security, certainty and absolutes, this probably isn't the place for you. Answers come and go, but the questions do not go away and might and can trouble us into growth. Now, as you all probably know, it's never over. An elevator ride in speech is never over until Rilke speaks when he said, be patient toward all that is unsolved in your heart and try to love the questions themselves like locked rooms and like books that are written in a very foreign tongue. Do not seek the answers which cannot be given you because you would not be able to live them. And the point is to live everything. Live the questions now. Perhaps you will then gradually, without noticing it, live along some distant day into the answers. And so, as Unitarian Universalists, we are obliged to live out the questions with whatever courage, heart, and soul we can muster. Thank you.